Today's episode is brought to you by Health IQ. Health IQ uses science and data to secure lower rates on life insurance for health conscious people. So if you're a runner, a cyclist, a strength trainer, or an OCR athlete, like you probably are since you're listening to this podcast, and you don't have life insurance, I would hit up Health IQ because they offer discounts for being healthy. What you need to do is you need to head over to their website, healthiq.com SASP for a strength and speed podcast. Once you get over to their website, you're going to have to take a health IQ quiz, and that's going to see if you qualify for lower rates on your life insurance. Plus, you can get additional savings by submitting actual data, so things like race results, Strava, RunKeeper, or any other application that you use to actually track your fitness. 56% of health IQ customers save between 4 and 33% on their life insurance. So if you're with another life insurance agency and you're not taking advantage of all the fitness work you're putting in on your spare time, then you need to switch companies right now. Car insurance companies give you lower rates for being a good driver. There's no reason that health insurance companies shouldn't give you a lower rate for being a healthier person by doing things like training, running, lifting weights, and participating in our favorite sport, OCR. You don't have to be an elite athlete to qualify. You just have to be the type of person who's putting in a little bit of time and effort to make yourself healthier. And if you're listening to this podcast, chances are that's you. So head on over to healthiq.com SASP and see if you qualify for lower rates today. Welcome back to the Strength and Speed Podcast. I'm your host, Evan Preparis. Brennan will not be joining us today, but I do have Adrian Bihanata on the line. If you don't know who Adrian is, you are probably not racing in a lot of these series across the U.S. because almost all of them feed into OCR World Championships. And Adrian is the creator of OCR World Championships, um, race director. I don't know if that's the right term for him, but pretty much... He's the one who started OCR World Championships, U.S. Championships, North American Championships. He's done a lot for the sport uh, as far as unifying and bringing it forward, and I'm excited to have him on the podcast. We're going to get to the bottom of some of his uh, recent projects. So, Adrian, welcome to the show. Cool. Thanks for having me. And uh, definitely not <laughs> not a race director. Um, there, there are people out there that are much, much uh, more adept at race directing than i am so that's right i I forgot about that i know you you technically won the uh mud run guide best of race director for 2017 but we're trying to uh trying to deny it (laughs) well next year i'm leading a campaign to like abolish that category because it's just it's just silly like no no offense to anybody who is a race director or anything along those lines it's just that like you know at least for my event it's such a aggregation of a lot of different efforts from people races organizations and partners it's like to point out one person just never feels right to me well i think i think the number of awards ocr world championship won and the fact that you still won that title despite not being an actual race director says a lot about the brand you've created and the you know the the cult-like following we have following ocr world championships and its associated events so yeah i mean we've got some really really kind of passionate fans and you know the like i guess you know we try we just try to 
produce really good events, right? Like we just try to produce really good events, and then we try to relate to people and the athletes as best we can. Most of us were or are athletes at some point, so we kind of know what people like, right? So that's kind of what we try to uh, try to deliver, and not overcomplicate um, anything from our events to. Uh, race format to anything else. We try to keep our heads down, not get sucked into the drama, and uh, just kind of keep driving OCR forward. Yeah, well, I mean, obviously, I think you're doing a great job. I know I would go to the event even if I wasn't racing, if I was just there to hang out all weekend, because the race is awesome, but just being around all those people and that community and you know, having all the all the people from the industry essentially in one place at one time is just an incredible experience. So if you haven't been to OCR World Championships or North American if you're not going to North, not planning on going to North American Championships, I would definitely get on that and sign up ASAP because I know spots filled up fast like they did last year. So Yep. Cool. Thanks, man. <laughs> no worries. But we we what we got you on the podcast for is cuz you got a lot of new a lot of new projects coming out and we want to get to the bottom of some of them. Uh, so recently it was announced that American Obstacle Course Racing Association uh, was starting. And, you know, people had a lot of questions because there's so many acronyms kind of popping up in OCR now. It's almost like as bad as my job in the military where if you don't understand the acronyms, you get lost and confused real quick. So let's start off with what is the American Obstacle Course Racing Association? Um, so it's essentially, we'll call it a group for, for lack of a better term, right? It's a group that that consists of race organizations, individuals, coaches, supporters, athletes, fans um, of obstacle course racing that frankly care about it, right? That, that care about it and want to see it succeed. They have some vested interest in it, whether it's because they own a race or it's because they're an athlete or, um, you know, they have friends that are athletes or family members that are athletes or they're has some commercial interest right so it's this kind of um group of of separate uh organizations that agree that hey we need to look out for obstacle course racing um specifically in uh in the united states and we all kind of have a joint responsibility to to make sure it thrives and make sure it grows and develops in the way that we want it to grow um you know, we've got a lot of questions about like whether or not we're a governing body, and I'm not going to say that we're a governing body per se, because I don't think that, quite frankly, I think a lot of the races that are out there don't really want to be told necessarily what to do or how they need to run their race, so um, we've kind of shied away from that moniker. But we've, uh, you know, we kind of see ourselves as a support entity for for the sport and uh, and everything related to it. Gotcha. Okay, so what would you say, I know you kind of covered it a little bit in the answer, but what would you say like the overall goal of the association is? Um, for, for me, it's essentially threefold. One, it's to finally get some of these entities to work together, um, and rather than like, you know, fight with each other or try to duke it out over dates or something like that, we could actually be working together to support each other. I'm not saying that races shouldn't be competing against each other or organizations shouldn't be competing or athletes shouldn't be 
competing. But I'm saying that there's probably a bare minimum standard that we should probably agree to um, in terms of a, a playing field. Um, and I also think that there are, frankly, some of the races, especially my, I include myself in this, the smaller races, that we uh, you know we can learn from each other. Um, case in point, like this, a lot of this started from some lengthy conversations, conversations and text message chains and. You know, somebody throws out there and says, "Hey, you know, what are you guys doing for trucking? I'm getting, I, I'm, I'm getting beat up on my trucking rates. It's I'm paying 2.25 per mile for my for for my logistics." And you know, I guess from my viewpoint, is like we should all instead of it's certainly easier for me. Well, let me let me start over. From my viewpoint, it makes more sense if we were all just to work together on a certain level and coordinate an activity like that and go out there to a third-party logistics provider and say, hey, guys, like, we have, instead of saying I have two races and I'm moving four trucks twice a year between these dates and traveling this many miles, I'm saying, hey, I have, you know, 100,000 miles of travel over the course of the year with uh, these many trucks and here are my needs and hopefully, you know, we get some economies of scale that, help us do better as organizations, which then we kind of pay it forward to the athletes and the people that are involved in the sport. Um, likewise with anything else that we're looking for, you know, like, like I order roughly 10,000 finisher shirts for world champs, right? Why not couple that together with a few other companies say, Hey, now we're ordering 50,000 shirts and then we can offer better quality shirts. Um, and it's kind of becomes a little bit of a, a little bit of a win-win. Um, so the organization itself is kind of built around that mindset of like, if you want to be involved, then you've got to be willing to work together and, uh, play nice. And if you don't, then that's absolutely fine. But, you know, we don't need, um, any type of, uh, drama in the group. We just want to keep our heads down and keep developing OCR and producing good events. Cool. Well, I obviously love that idea. I think that's great, not only in a friendly spirit, right, like helping each other, but it, I mean, it makes sense. You're banding together to get better prices on things and uh, better benefits kind of for the brands overall, which is going to lead to more longevity. I know for, like, on a similar way, not to give away all of my trade secrets here, but so the, our Conquer the Gauntlet team does similar stuff. Like, like so we have... 13 to 14 athletes at a time and we kind of band together and we request essentially team sponsorships because you know everyone has their own ups and downs throughout the course of the year where they're busy on social media and they're they've got other life expect uh you know other life things going on and as a group of 14 we can essentially get sponsors for the team and then when one of us is not doing much sometimes the other one's doing stuff so we're constantly putting out you know content for uh the brands that are supporting us so yeah uh, and and that's like the, that's the important thing, right? Like it's it's a, it's a better thing about getting the right people in the right place, getting them to each pitch in a little bit, and figuring out what to do once we have some momentum, right? Um, for a case in point, right now, like we we just started opening up membership. We have now have a couple thousand dollars in the bank, and the first question that we've now thrown out to the group is like, okay, what do you want to do? Do we want to offer? You know, an athlete development grant to somebody. Do we want to offer an athlete development grant to somebody, let's say, under 18 years of age? So we're saying, all right, um, let's do a uh, grant for a male and a female between the ages of 13 and 17 as a youth development thing. Um, <clears throat> and 
the way I think we kind of want to run this is it's really a, a democracy. Um, uh, you'll notice on the website we don't say anything like Adrian's the president or Mark Ballas is the president or Hoobie's the uh, treasurer. Like that's kind of not the way we want to do it. I actually generally think when we have like one kind of person in command, it's, it can represent a conflict of interest and also things can go kind of awry. So, you know, my vision, I guess, is that, like, when we have these things that come up with these opportunities to do some good, that we talk about it as a group, and we cast a vote, and we all decide if we say, hey, we want to do, uh, you know, if we want to do drug testing at the Green Bray uh, Championships, and we want to use some of the funding from the association to do that, then then we vote on it. And if everyone thinks it's a good idea, that we do, that we do that. Um, so those are the type of opportunities that we're that we're looking for. Cool. So I know the beginning of the conversation we were talking a little bit more about the industry side. So anyone can join this, right? It's not just for OCR professionals like those working behind the scenes, correct? Yep, yep. It's for anybody. Right now, the benefits are skewed towards the athletes. I think that's our biggest opportunity. So you know, our marketing is going to be focusing on getting athlete members on board. But, you know, if you, if anybody out there is listening and they're interested in providing something to our membership base, like, we're all ears, right? I'm kind of very big right now. On, I don't think we should be signing any exclusivity agreements with any type of uh, partners. But if, if, you know, you're a company out there and you want to get involved and tap into the obstacle course racing market, then you should drop us a note. And, and we can we can figure out how, how to structure something that's beneficial for both parties. You know, some of the organizations that we work with right now aren't just races. So in terms of race, races, I'm going down the list. We've got, um, obviously North American championships. We've got green Bay challenge, Indian mud run, terrain race, fit challenge, bone frog, city challenge race, Epic, um, Epic series, obstacle challenge and blizzard blast. Right. Um, but then we also have, uh, you know, a partnership with the anti camp. Um, we've got a partnership with Epic hybrid training where, uh, our members can get free training every single Friday for free at any location nationwide, which is a great perk. Um, and then I hope that we can do some type of some type of on-site activation at events, right? Like for instance, at Noram Champs, I think we should have something like a tent or a reserved area for, specifically for um, members of the. And you know, I think that should be something like a, a special perk that. Uh, are the athlete members get for being a supporter of the sport and I'm kind of challenging all the other race organizations that are involved or the uh, groups like Nancy Camp and Epic on like how what can we do to get back to the athletes um, to kind of reward them uh, for for you know buying in to the association and our mission Cool. Well, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. One of the things I think you do really well in general is understanding common interests. Um, because with OCR World Championships, you know, you, I think you really capture that, you know, the, the other brands feed into your series, but at the same time, uh, you recognize their contribution to the sport and you kind of uh, benefit off of each other. So, yeah, I mean, most of, most of the things that we've launched, right? Most of the things that we've launched, like we, only do well when the entire sport does well, right? So <clears throat> when we hear about like a race getting low numbers or a race going out of business or closing up, it like is like one heartbreaking for us because we usually know the people on a personal level that that are impacted, both athletes and the owners of the races. But also like it impacts the, our ability to cast a net and try to get athletes at our events, right? So 
Um, you know, we need all the races that are involved um, as qualifying events to do well, right? And same thing with the, this association. Like, we're only going to have athletes that we can serve if we have lots of races, right? Um, so I think everything that we have right now that we've launched, uh, we kind of live and die on the success of the sport. So, um, you know, this association will hopefully help um, in terms of longevity. Cool. So how does a company become a partner? Uh, shoot me an email. <laughs> like it's, it's very simple. Like shoot us an email and, uh, you know, then we'll talk, we'll pitch it out to the organizations and we'll say, Hey, you know, uh, let's say it's like, um, uh, Nesquik, right? <laughs> like they say, Hey, like we're a great recovery beverage, uh, our chocolate milk and we want to be involved. Then we say, Hey, Nesquik wants to be involved. Uh, here's what they want to do. They want to offer, you know, free recovery stations at 10 events in 2018. Do we want to do it? Yeah or nay? We can, everyone casts a vote and majority rules. That's it. Gotcha. What about race brands? So, um, you know, like Conquer the Gauntlet or Dirt Runner or some of the other smaller brands we've highlighted on this series, Abominable Snow yeah. Race, etc. So we have uh, we have a few that actually, we actually have now come around and they – um, we are going to be announcing this. I don't want to let the cat out of the bag, but we are going to be announcing one next week. Um, and it's one, I think, that Evan, that you're, you're pretty familiar with. So, uh, um, again, I don't want to steal their thunder, so I can't mention them by name, but we do have a new race coming on board uh, early next week, which will be good. But, um, you know, what we're asking from races right now in terms of a commitment is, one, that they publicly support the association too that they're actually and most importantly actually engaged and involved we don't want somebody just saying hey yeah we're involved like we're, we're on board and you know email your members about us like they've got to actually put forth some effort um i think one of the things that was very difficult for me to learn over the past few years is um we've got to have the right partners in place that are willing to actually put in the time effort and work to get stuff done um, you mentioned before, um, I think, or before we were talking about IOCRU, and that's I think one of the things that, frankly, I messed up because I think we probably I probably bit off more than I could chew on that because doing an international um, association like that takes a lot of time, a lot of resources, and quite frankly, just sp the people involved. I think we all spread ourselves a little bit too thin um, in trying to get this thing off the ground. So. Um, I'm pretty determined at the point at this point not to let this happen with the American Association, and quite frankly, also learned a lot of lessons from IOCRU. Well, since you brought it up, is IOCRU still around? Is it on yeah, the back burner, or what's the it, it's deal? It's still around. It's slightly on the back burner. Although just this week, I received a number of emails from people looking to uh, drive it forward. So um, I think you'll probably be hearing a bit more about it um, in the in the coming months. And I'll still stay in the mix on it, but you know the, the game plan was never to launch something and then just like and like own it. It's like even with this association, like it's not just me on the corporate filings for this. It's something that like we should launch, and then nobody truly owns it. It just belongs to the sport. Um, so I think you know I think some other folks will become involved in IOCRU and kind of take up the mantle, and uh, hopefully that gets some uh, gets going again. So what? Okay. Uh, good to know. So one of the other big um, acronyms that's been thrown around a lot in the last couple of months is the Obstacle Sports Racing Federation. So yep. for our listeners, you know, do you have anything? Are you related to the Obstacle Sports Racing Federation in any way? Or uh, we're is... not. 
No, we're not. Um, you know, I had some conversations with uh, with them uh, a while ago. Um, at the time, I didn't. I still am torn a little bit on the on the governing body uh, aspects, like because just because of what I mentioned before, right? Um, I think it's still a very, very new space. I think it's very tough to go in and tell races exactly what they need to do and how things should be done. And for many races, it could be a little bit off-putting. Um, you know, that said, uh, you know, if it's good for the sport and it helps the longevity and helps everybody involved, then I'm I'm all for it. Um, even with the old uh, USA OCR before the, the one that's associated with the Federation now, there used to be an old USOCR, and at the time, um, I was kind of asked to be involved, um, and you know, Mark Faust was involved as well. And <clears throat> I worked with them for a little while, but I really didn't have any personal interest in pursuing an organization that at the time was a for-profit based on uh, a for-profit with a membership revenue stream model. It just didn't, it just didn't feel right to me, so... Okay. Well, since let's let's jump back a little bit. I want to get into a Obstacle Sports Racing Federation and kind of their goals and how they align with your goals in a in a yep. bit. But let's talk about kind of the history of the governing body. So, you know, some of the listeners, you know, maybe only been involved in the sport for a year or two, kind of take us back to I believe the acronym was USAOCR. Um uh, take I, us think back was, to, I think it was just USOCR. US, okay, time, just USOCR. Right. Take yep. us back to that and kind of what happened there and kind of how we got to where we are today. So, uh, I mean, USOCR, and this is like, this is going back a number of years, like I think probably over five or six years. Um, I, they, you know, they launched, um, a few different people were involved and they had some conferences. I attended some of those conferences as well. As well. Um, I also met, uh, number of good people through those kind of conversations. Um, I believe they launched as a for-profit membership-driven um, governing body, right? Um, but it, it was kind of a little bit of the same problem that we have now with somebody popping up and saying, hey, we're a governing body, and then you look and it's like, well, what do you govern? And it's like, well, not much. <laughs> and and like, and like who's involved in this question of whether or not the right people are involved. So that kind of... Uh, got launched or it was eventually launched, I think, after some a number of delays. I'm not sure if it's still operational or still around um, or what type of services that they offer, um, but their kind of mindset was like, let's round up some of the races and then, you know, make make money out of it, right? Make money out of whatever it is, selling stuff to the races, selling insurance to the races, T-shirts to the races, all those different things. Um, so I don't think that ever really got any, any traction, um, at all, um, and I think uh, I think we actually Mudrun Guide had some uh, big articles when things finally came to a head, and there was a you know some allegations around um, them representing uh, representing that they had partnerships with existing races and which were not accurate. Um, so I think that was kind of as far as that USOCR kind of got. Um, yeah, and so and so I think, and then I I think somewhat down the line, I think um, IORF launched, um, and I think that at the time that was affiliated with Spartan. I'm not sure if it is or is not anymore. I think it's now become a little bit disconnected, um, and is kind of an independent entity. And uh, that was you know that was launched and tied in. I think they just now rebranded as World OCR, um, and that's I think new as of this week. 
Um, the other USOCR that is around, if I'm not mistaken, I believe is tied into uh, US um, pentathlon, um, the uh, the Olympic sport, um, which is, I think, uh, actually, I don't, I don't want to get it wrong, but it's a lot of different sports <laughs> involved in a, in a pentathlon. Um, and that's been around for some time. And then that kind of leads to American obstacle course racing. Um, and what we're trying to do is, well, when we launched and I tried to convince people to do this, it was the question that came up were, what makes you guys different than this? And for us, you know, and this isn't a slight against anybody else that's tried to do this because I obviously tried to do it with IOCRU and that was very tough to get off the ground. Um, the difference with this is like we're committed on a number of fronts. One, transparency, right? Like there's no president of this thing. It's a democracy. So we're doing things, things as transparently as possible. Um, everybody has access to all the records. All the member organizations can can see and ask any time what the, what's the bank account. Um, what's in the bank account, what type of revenue is coming in, how are we spending the money, all that is incredibly transparent. Um, the second thing is, like, like in le- it, this thing has to deliver. It has to deliver some tangible benefits, um, which when we launched, we were, you know, now we have the membership cards going out and cranking. People are using those discount codes. Um, I want to launch with something tangible that was immediate benefit for athletes. So I want to keep pushing that throughout the entire course of the year. So we want to come up with a point series. I think we're probably 30 to 60 days, at, 60 days out from the launch of a point series and tied to actual prizes. And that's going to be across races and not just tied to one race. So we'll have like you know somewhat definitive age group rankings um, for all the athletes that are that are members. Um, so that's probably the second biggest difference um for us is just that delivery right we just need to get stuff out the door and keep pushing even if even if it needs to be an iterative process where we don't necessarily get it 100 percent the right time we just need to get stuff out the door and then keep learning and doing it better and better gotcha gotcha so does a does american obstacle course racing association have any aspirations goals or plans to put ocr in the olympics uh, certainly not a goal of ours. Um, obviously, if if it makes sense, we'll something we'll support. But I can't. I hand my heart can't tell you that we're devoting time and resources on it right now. Gotcha. So, kind of follow up to that. Uh, do you see obstacle sports racing federation as competition or just another, um, you know, aspect of the sport? I I I honestly see it. I mean, anytime you're. I guess asking people to spend money on something, there's going to be a little bit of competition involved, right? Just because, you know, uh, uh, people walking into a Walmart, you know, father and son walking into a Walmart with twenty bucks in their pocket, like there's competition over what they're over what they're going to spend their discretionary income on. So there probably is in that sense, but like I do don't really necessarily see an overlap from what I understand that their focus tends to be more on the Olympic push governing body push and getting obstacle course racing in the Olympics. Um, and that's where they seem to be devoting their time and energy, which is separate from us. Yep. I, from my understanding about them, I agree. I know Ian Adamson was on Lincoln Durance podcast uh, in the last month. So if anyone wants to go over and check out Lincoln Durance and hear more about them, you can, but you know, I, I agree. I mean, I see, I see them as really pushing for that Olympics and, to me, again, this is my personal opinion. I think the like Olympics OCR is going to look a lot different than regular OCR, right? Like the Olympics OCR would be standardized; they'd be the same obstacles at every event. It would probably be on flat on like a track, 
it would involve loops or something like that. Mm-hmm. And I know like the product you deliver and the product that I enjoy the most is variation, you know, different terrain, different obstacles, things that change year to year and make you work on weaknesses. So I think I I think I think they can have they can both exist, right? Like you can have this Olympic OCR and then yeah, you can I mean, have like, this if you, if you look at you know Look, I was explaining to some of the team, I, I think, this way, right? Um, there, I agree with you. What may end up in the Olympics or whatever, you know, major sporting format there is, is going to be a somewhat standardized and sanitized version of it. And that's not a bad thing, right? It's, it's definitely, it's certainly not a bad thing because there's, there's a market for that. <clears throat> for us, like, you know, sometimes we joke around that we're kind of like proudly unsanctioned, right, or like unofficial, and we're I'm okay with that, right? If we if I look at the larger events, the most prominent and prestigious events in the world, right, they aren't things like, well, I'll say to the general public, um, they aren't things like the ITU Triathlon Championship or whatever UCI has or um, the Olympic Marathon. All those things are incredible events for the demographic that they serve, right? They're absolutely incredible events. But if I look at, you know, if you're a runner in the United States, what event do you aspire to, right? What's the hallmark of the sport for running? And Boston, right? Runners want to go to Boston. If you're a triathlete, what's the hallmark of the sport for you as a a triathlete? If you're at the long distance, yeah, yeah, you want to go to Kona. If you're doing an Ironman, you want to go to Kona, right? Um, That's frankly, what we thrive off of and what we what we aspire to be and strive to be, that those events are special, right? Those are the events when you cross the finish line, you are like in tears, you've given it every single thing that you could possibly muster. And it's, you know, it is a incredible moment for your life. That is what we want to provide to athletes, right? And I don't know if we can achieve that in a standardized sanitized version of obstacle course racing. Um, and I say that only because I think a very, very big part of obstacle course racing is the unknown, right? Um, most people got into the sport because it was like a cool, you know, um, uh, fresh breath of air type feel where like, you know, you're going to be running and taking out something that you haven't done before. And I worry that when you take away that element, that like sense of discovery that comes with a new race and an obstacle innovation and everything else, I worry that you lose some of the general appeal of obstacle course racing. Yeah, no, absolutely. We had uh, a strong man on the podcast uh, a couple months ago and talking about, and it kind of reminds me of like powerlifting and strongman, right? Like powerlifting is very, the bar has to be this high, it's this weight, it's this diameter. You know, everything's very standardized, and then you look at strongman, and it's like, I want you to throw this beer keg of varying weight over this pole. And you're like, what? Right. Or like, I want you to deadlift this this bar that's extra fat, you know, and not a, regula- not a regulation height, and um, instead of weights, we're using, like, these two bins filled with coins because we're in Las yep. Vegas, and it's Vegas-themed, right? Yep, so. yep. Agreed. I was just on Instagram the other night, and I saw a post by Karen Carlson, who... Um, uh, if you don't know her, she uh, is um, from Sweden, uh, amazing athlete, always a top three finisher at the World Champs, right? And just one of the best athletes. Um, actually, I actually one of the best, best athletes in the world. And she was going through um, a rig, and I think it was actually the uh, platinum rig that was at our event, 
And her post was something along the lines of, you know, in obstacle course racing, you need to have good grip strength. You need to be a good runner. You need to have all these elements, but you also need to be able to solve problems and get creative on the fly, right? And it was like a beautiful video because you see her coming through this rig and there's a low section. And then she basically needs to turn her entire body around, do some type of like weird muscle up to get to the next element in the rig and then traverse the rest of the rig, right? Like, that's cool. Like, that, that's like, to me, that's like almost obstacle course racing in a nutshell, presented with something in front of you that you need to actually solve for using your fitness and, and, uh, and, and imagination, right? So, like, that post for me, like, just rung home because it was like, this is it. Like, this is what obstacle course racing is about. So, um, definitely check out, and <laughs> she doesn't even know I'm talking about this. So definitely check out Karen Carlson, um, two K's, uh, on Instagram and check out that post. Cause I'm, you know, I'm going to probably get even message her and see if I can get a copy of that video. Cause it's awesome. Um, but that's exactly what obstacle course racing is about. Yeah. And I believe she, not to plug my, my boys at Link Endurance again, but she, I think she was also on one of their podcasts, one of their old episodes. So nice you want to hear more from her uh obviously a great very good athlete so um yeah all right um i think that wraps up all the questions i had for aocr a and kind of the governing bodies and various acronyms let's before i let you go though you know we got three big championship events coming up the north american championships enduro world championships and then the ocr world championships so let's start with um, chronologically, so we'll start with Enduro. What what teasers can you share with us, or maybe some newly released information? I know there was just a post today regarding tents and stuff like that. Yeah, the, the tent, but actually, amazingly, like probably the, like the most popular post we put up all week. So we're offering tent rentals for people who are trying to get there, and that kind of came out of like a lot of people saying like I want to go, but it's like a you know logistically it's very tough for 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 us to get there because transporting your entire kit plus a tent and everything else is challenging. So we said, you know what, can we actually just find a local source for this stuff and, and offer them? And so uh, it looks like it's actually going to work because people are reserving tents like crazy. Um, the Enduro is going to be, it's going to be cool. <laughs> it's, you know, it's in like, it's in the countryside, you know, outside Sydney, um, uh, in the bush as it's called, uh, in Australia. Um, I went there myself and I, I know you did the race as well. Um, at one point when true grid did the enduro there. So we're kind of building off their event a little bit. Um, and you know, we're using the same team to execute the race. We obviously want to put our touches on it as well and have it make sure it has that kind of international feel. Um, you know, we're going to have a few, uh, kind of surprise obstacles there and some new stuff that we can kind of create. And um, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be different, right? It's obviously a 24-hour race, so it's not suitable for everybody. Um, although there is a four-person uh, relay format, um, it's uh, you know it's probably gonna be one of the more gritty and grueling races. Um, and you know, if you've seen some of the Australian versions of obstacle course racing, and you know, Evan, I'm not sure what your impression was when you were over there, but it's a little bit more of like a, a raw type uh, event, meaning it's uh, the physicality is kind of up a notch. Um, I feel, think it probably compares a little bit more to OCRWC in Ohio, where it has that kind of like really gritty, physical, uh, grinding feel to it. <clears throat> um, than, you know, like 
say I'll say our 3K um, <laughs> championships, which is a little bit more finesse and technique. Um, you know, this is going to be a very very tough race. It's going to be a very very tough race. Um, and the conditions, I mean, people always joke that there are a million things in Australia that want to kill you. And <laughs> this is, uh, you know, we don't want to kill people, but it's going to be a tough race. You're going to be racing, doing an obstacle course race for 24 hours straight. Um, so it's going to be difficult. Yeah, no, I think you, I think you, again, my impression is from True Grit's version of the event. So um, obviously it'll be a little bit different than what you're presenting. But yeah, definitely, like the name implies, definitely a gritty feel. Um I also say it has, which we've talked about before on the podcast again, it has the, like, one of the worst sections of obstacle course racing that I've experienced. It's just a mile of water movement. Like, no, knee, the river, yeah. Knee <laughs> to waist-deep water. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a literal <laughs> mud mile. It's not, it's, not, it's not a tough mud or mud mile where it's, like, 100 yards of pits. It's, like, a, it's like a full effing mile of you wading through with water. So yeah. it was, like, um, I think it was... It was like three quarters of the way through the lap, but yep. time-wise, it would be your halfway point for me. Like I would hit there and be like, "All right, I'm halfway done with the lap because All I right. have to move so slow for the next mile." <laughs> yeah. And then there was also yeah. an obstacle in the middle of it, so it's like the obstacle is the mud mile, but then on top of that, there's an obstacle in the middle of the mud mile. So. Yep. Uh, yeah. Yeah. When I was out there two years ago, that was like my favorite place to go out there and watch because you get to see the athletes for quite a long time. Um, but on on top of that, you kind of uh, like. Well, this sounds like a little bit uh, mean, but we knew in the that riverbed where there was like one kind of like a little bit deeper hole, right? And so you kind of see people walking up to it, and then all of a sudden they would just like disappear underwater for, for a couple seconds because they'd step into that like pit and then catch them by surprise. But it was a, it was great. And uh, actually, I think last year when you were there, it had a ridiculous amount of rain as well. So um, I'm sure that made it a little bit worse. Yeah, it rained every day I was in Australia leading up to the race, and then every day after for like another three days. Yep. It was like a week of rain. So yep. the race the race started, and I was already tired of being wet, which is awesome. Um, I will say traveling over there with all your stuff is a challenge, but it's definitely doable. We went, it was me and my wife and my two-year-old daughter, and I packed a rolling suitcase for all my gear, a duffel bag for like our tent and sleeping bag stuff, and then I had all like my personal stuff for like a two week vacation in a backpack. So yep. you go light on the personal stuff, heavy on the race kit. Yeah, um, <laughs> exactly. Completely agree. And I also I I would recommend um, doing the relay option actually for most people. I know for me personally, like the the stress of like flying to the other side of the globe and then coordinating everything and then. I showed up Wednesday before the race, which was not enough time to adjust to the new time zone. Um, you know, the relay, you, you'd be fine with the adjustment and you'd be fine, you know, coming to OCR World Championships uh, like the day before because mm-hmm. it doesn't involve staying up for 24 hours. But um, for a 24-hour race, I recommend like a week ahead of time. So yep. just some tips. Okay. Um, so that's Enduro. Any teasers for North American Championship? Um, no, actually, I'm actually heading up to Stratton um, in a few weeks' time uh, to go uh check things out but um it's gonna be actually so Stratton of the mountains are fairly fairly similar to blue mountains so if people were at ocwc last year um they kind of know what to feel and what to what to expect with that um it's gonna be it, it's it's gonna be yeah i don't want to say typical because it's uh i don't think any of our events are typical 
but it's going to, going to be uh, a mountain obstacle course race, um, similar to Blue Mountain. I mean, there's some really, really awesome terrain there. Stratton Mountain and Stratton the Village are absolutely incredible, very similar to Blue Mountain. Um, and we're, it's you know, essentially the first obstacle course race that's going to be at Stratton. So it's, uh, the community is super excited to get there. Um, the partners that we have there are fantastic. Um, you know, I've kind of put together a great team. Mark Ballas and some other folks are involved with this. We've got some of the uh, best races from North America that will be there with their obstacles, similar to OCRWC. Um, I won't say who, just because we're doing unveilings uh, tied to each one, similar to what we do with uh, World Champs. Um, but yeah, it's going to be, you know, it's going to be Vermont in the summer, so it'll be absolutely gorgeous. Uh, again, Stratton is an amazing place to visit. Um, the accommodations are top notch, and uh, we're going to put on a kick ass event there, and we're going to get the experience like dialed in because we've got um, it's closer to home for me for to be able to commute back and forth and make sure we're producing exactly what we want to produce. Cool. Sounds like a party. I'll be there. Yep. And teasers for OCR World Championships UK. <clears throat> um, teasers. Uh, what can I say? Well, first I should say James Parrish and the crew over at Nuclear that um, that were playing host are just absolutely fantastic. I was out there a few weeks ago for a, a quick trip, flying in on Friday morning, flying out on a Sunday afternoon. Um, but the amount of stuff that we got done in those two days was just astronomical, and the amount of creativity that came out of the meetings, discussions, and hiking and and mapping that we did were, were just fantastic. Um, we're definitely going to take some gambles with the event this year. We kind of, well, we kind of do that every year, but we're going to take some gambles and uh, I think surprise some people. Um, it's a little, it's a, it's a very different field in Blue Mountain, right? Because this is essentially, it's about 45 minutes outside of London, and we have a, a, essentially, a, in a way, a blank canvas to work with. Um, but we also have, you know. The partnership with James um, and some other European races that we were working with to kind of make it our own, um, and so there would definitely be some surprises in terms of, um, we'll say format. Um, of course, some new obstacles and and stuff to get people thinking and and uh, nervous about how they're going to complete some of these obstacles. But um, we're also going to mess around with the format a little bit, and um, I can safely say we're going to be do, doing something that's never been done before um, there's a debate right now over whether we should pilot it at, uh, at Norham or someplace before that um, but for those that don't know us you probably know that we're uh, we're okay taking a gamble and seeing if it pays off so um, yeah so there'll be certainly be something that'll happen for the first time ever at, at either Norham or OCRWC Cool. Uh, sounds exciting. I am looking forward to both of them. I have not booked my trip to UK yet, but I plan on. So uh, hopefully, I will see you there. Yeah. Uh, before we before we let you go, where can people find out about American Obstacle Course Racing Association, and then uh, how do they sign up, and then how much is it? Uh, so um, it's AmericanOCR.org um, registration for a year, and that goes on a on a on a rolling year. So it, uh, the last 12 months from when you sign up is uh, 45 dollars, um, and I'm hoping people just sign up and you know, do the arithmetic and make it an academic exercise where they're saying, "Hey, I can sign up right now for 45 bucks. I get access to all these perks and benefits, and it immediately pays for itself because people are going and signing up for one of these." 
amazing races. Um, and then we're off to the races. Um, we, you know, um, wow, that was a terrible pun, but, but, uh, but, uh, but no, then we're off, you know, we're, we're over a couple hundred members already. So we've got some good traction. Um, and that's despite not doing a lot of marketing. Um, so you'll see that ramp up soon. Um, excited to work on the point series and get that rolling soon. And then that's when I think things get really interesting because people start paying attention to who's racing on what weekend and it's across, it spans across a number of races. Um, and likewise going into those races, I think you'll eventually start to see some things where like, Hey, there's going to be this like head to head showdown in the men's 40 to 44 category. The winner of this race is going to come out on top in the rankings and that's going to be cool to see. Cool. Um, and then is there, there's like a private Facebook group or something? Uh, yep, there'll be a, a private Facebook group launching next week, uh, end of next week and people will get invites. Um, and there'll also be their digital passes that have rolled out to their Apple wallets and Android wallets will automatically update to reflect um, information about that group. Um, and that's it. But, it, you know, it's a cool thing. It was actually, we pushed out the first batch of membership cards, I think the first 75 or 100 or so last Thursday. And I was amazed that it, <laughs> that it actually worked. So now I have this, like, cool thing on my phone where it's, like, it functions just like a, you know, a, a, a digital or electronic boarding pass where um, I can pull that up anytime I need it. Um, and then, you know, I know I can't speak for other races. I could tell you for sure at Noram Champs, we're going to do some cool activations with those passes, um, whether the things like discounted parking or uh, VIP access to uh, members. But we're definitely going to try to line up some cool perks for people. Nice. Well, sounds like like what you said. It sounds like it's going to pay for itself if people sign up. So I will head over there after this podcast ends. Cool. Um before we let you go, any final shout-outs or uh, other stuff you want to plug, people you want to say um, hi to? I just want to, you know, just thank the races that are getting involved with the association, right? Um, you know, it, it, it's been a long time coming. Um, I know sometimes it's like pulling teeth, and I know sometimes people are getting annoyed, uh, well, with me when I'm sending out text messages on Saturday night at 11 o'clock with stupid ideas. Um, but, but I promise you guys... If we can do a good job with this, it'll it'll uh, we'll all be much happier in the long run. Um, so just to anybody that's been involved or been a supporter, thank you, and anybody that signed up, thank you. I know it's uh, it's you know another thing that we're asking you guys to spend money on, but um, we are flattered that flattered that people have faith in us to do this. Cool. Well, uh, for those listening to the podcast, if you haven't picked up yourself a pair of bleg mitts, uh, I'm selling them off TeamStrengthSpeed.com. So you can head over there and pick them up. They are going pretty fast, though. Medium is running low already. Um, my book is also available there, Strength and Speed's Guide to Elite Obstacle Course Racing, which also has an interview with Adrian um, from about two years ago in there. So you can kind of see if his predict some of his predictions came true and if it lined up with what he's saying right now. Other than that, if you want to hear some of our older episodes, I know some people uh, messaged me saying that they, had, they were no longer available on iTunes. I know iTunes sometimes starts getting rid of old uh, podcasts, like from the first couple that we put out. But those are always available through other podcast apps, including Podbean. And then on the website, you can actually listen directly off the website, uh, listen to old episodes, everything from episode one all the way up to now. Adrian, thanks again for coming on the show. Uh, personal thank you from me, just for everything you've done for the sport and for the industry. Um, I luckily got involved just before 2014, so I got to come to the first one, 
and it was an awesome experience, and it's been great going back almost every year since. I uh, missed one year. but Well, uh, thanks for having me. This is great. And uh, we will uh, we'll talk to you later next time you got some big news to come out. All right, cool. Take care. Later. <laughs>